Hello and welcome to this week's What a Scream. This is the horror movie podcast where I, your host, Igraine, chats with a special guest every week about horror films. And in particular, myself and my guest each choose a film that has to do with a certain topic or subject that I've previously randomly chosen. Um, so this week does not follow that format. Um, this week is a special deep dive episode. Um, I've done a few of these in the past about um, The Shining and The Exorcist. But this week is about a franchise that really kicked off a movement in horror. Um, it is the Saw franchise, which really was one of the originators of what is now dubbed as torture porn, um, directed and created by James Wan and Lee Wanell. Um, it started off as like this student film by these two, you know, fresh out of film college students from Australia, and it became one of the best um, kind of horror films in the early 2000s. Uh, first one was just that twist ending got everybody, I think. Um, so yes, so this week with my special guest, I am chatting about the Saw franchise. Uh, whether you love, or, love it or you hate it, um, it is. it has become a bit of a megalith in horror film history. So my guest this week is uh, self-confessed Saw buff um, Ariel, who is um, the administrative assistant for and contributor to Ghouls magazine and also a contributor to Moving Pictures Club. Moving Pictures Film Club, sorry. Um, Yeah, and so together we are chatting about Saw, the franchise. So enjoy. I would like to welcome to the podcast for the very first time, fellow ghoul, Ariel. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming on. Um, so for anyone that doesn't have the luck to know you, <laughs> um, <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. Um, so like you said, my name's Ariel. Ariel Powershab, and I'm the administrative assistant for Ghouls Magazine, which you and I both contribute to, Yeah, of course. Um, and I'm also a contributor to Moving Pictures Film Club. Yeah, And so I spend a lot of my time watching horror, writing about horror, thinking about horror. Um, so <laughs> it's wonderful to get to talk to you about horror today. Yes. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always like, oh my God, how many horror films do you see? And I'm like, five a week <laughs> All at <of> least <laughs> minimum five a week like yeah you wouldn't think there'd be that much horror films in the world but there is <laughs> there's so many well and it's great because that means we'll never run out but it exactly. also means I always feel like I'm behind yeah so balance <laughs> it is it's such a clamber to like keep up with the big releases as well as the mm -hmm. independent releases mm -hmm. um so when you say you literally like breathe and eat horror I completely <laughs> understand because I'm exactly yeah. the same way Yes. Um, so how did you get into horror? And do you remember the first horror film you ever saw? So it's funny. I actually don't. I feel like horror has always been there 
in my life. Like I don't remember a time before being a horror fan and there must have been that time. But uh, thinking back even to being really young, like we were really into Halloween in my family. And I remember always sort of being interested in like ghost stories when we were Mm -hmm. camping and spooky, creepy things always. Um, A story I tell sometimes is like my first memory of sort of a horror experience was watching Fern Gully in the theater, which is not a horror movie. But um, I started crying. I was scared of the pollution monster. Yeah, that is really scary. Yeah. (laughs) So my mom asked me, did I want to leave? And I was like, no, we have to stay. We have to see what happens. And so um, that's one of my first memories. And then I have another memory of when I was eight years old, I was homesick from school one day. And I don't know how I got my hands on these, but I watched The Exorcist and The Shining. (laughs) I don't know why they were in my home. And my dad was home with me during the day, but he kind of just, you know, let me be set up with the TV and and feel sick and just chill out on the couch. And so I just watched two of the scariest movies ever made. (laughs) And my mom was really mad when she got home that this had happened on my dad's watch. no, but I'm always envious of people who do remember the horror, first horror movie they ever saw because I wish I did. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. Like a lot of people have been like, oh, I watched The Exorcist at six years old or, you know, I watched Halloween at six years mm-hmm. old. Whereas like yourself, I have always been into dark stuff or like mm-hmm. the darker side. So like I, I must have come out of the womb being interested in vampires and witches because it's just always been part of my childhood. Yes. Now, I wasn't allowed to watch horror films, but it was always stuff like Tim Burton or mm-hmm. children's horror films um, that I was just mad about. And then as I got older and became a teenager, that's when I got into horror. Um, so like yourself, there was never like a defining point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So the, the the topic we have for today's podcast is it's a deep dive on a um, a series of films, a franchise, the Saw franchise. Now, I saw on Twitter that you were like, if anyone wants to talk about Saw, come at me. So what is your what is your interest with Saw? Oh, it, well, it's my favorite franchise, my okay. favorite horror franchise. I love it deeply i love it completely i think about it every day um (laughs) i watch the movies a lot like to me they're good background movies and Mm -hmm. i'm sure we'll get into this but the sequels are such that kind of once you watch one you have to watch the rest of them like there's a full story that plays out so a lot of times i'll be like all right here we go we're just watching these (laughs) again um and you know the things I love about it. I'm sure we'll get into more. I mean, I do like the gore and the violence, like Mm -hmm. address that right away. But they also have a lot of plot and a lot of twists and turns and reveals. And it's really fun to be along for the ride. Mm. Um, And they don't ask a lot of you. They explain everything at the end. So if you weren't paying very much attention, they're like, here's exactly how all of it happened. So to me, it's just got like almost everything I'm looking for in a comfort, cozy horror movie. Um, 
Yeah, I'll leave it at that because I know we're going to okay. get into it. But I just I do get really excited when people want to talk about these films because I also feel like often these films are looked down on even by other horror fans. Mm. So I get excited when there's another horror fan. I'm like, oh, you want to talk about Saw? <laughs> <laughs> I like Saw is one of those films that never really it doesn't cross my mind all that much, but. When I sat down to watch it, or if someone asked me about it, I'm like, yeah, I actually really love Saw. Like, mm-hmm. and even like you said, so for this podcast, we were like, I was like, right, we'll watch the first and second one and do like a really deep dive on those two. Mm-hmm. But then I started watching the third and then I uh-huh. started watching the fourth. And now tonight I'm like, well, after this, I'm just going to go watch the fifth one as well. Like, You have to. <laughs> you have to. It just it like it just sucks you in and you have Mm -hmm. to keep going um I I have to admit I did get a bit lost in everything but like you said everything is explained it's great it's uh, great for people with like ADHD that are just like what did I just miss like (laughs) um, I'll tell you (laughs) exactly um so let's chat about the uh the origins of Saw um so what do you know about the origins of Saw yeah. Um, well, it came about by two Australian film students who are now very well known, Lee Wan L <laughs> and James Wan. Mm-hmm. They met at the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology as film students. And uh, I read that they were very inspired by the Blair Witch Project, and they wanted to make a really impactful, low-budget horror movie for the times. And so they made a short film in 2003 which you can find on YouTube. It's great. If you haven't seen it, I fully recommend it. Um, It basically is like the reverse bear trap scene Mm -hmm. with Amanda, but it played out differently. Um, And so then that got picked up to make a feature film, which premiered at Sundance in 2004. And it did so well at Sundance that it was in theaters that Halloween. It really kind of went very quickly. Mm. And that, premiere did so well that several sequels were immediately greenlit and then the train had just left the station at that point and mm. they were just on their way yeah exactly it's one of the things that i find most endearing about the franchise is that it was done by these two unknown almost struggling filmmakers from australia mm-hmm. and they just hit on something big at exactly the right time yes and it blew up and you know something we will talk about obviously is um the subgenre it kind of became and mm-hmm. also developed as well and like you said a lot of people look down on it but the thing we saw compared to a lot of the other torture porn um films is that it has such a good storyline yes like the storyline is immaculate so it centers around this serial killer john kramer played by the amazing tobin bell like mm-hmm. one of his He's just fantastic, um, a.k.a. Jigsaw. And he traps victims in tests and games to test their will to live. Um, and, yes, it's just these imaginative traps. And, you know, he because he's suffering from an inoperable brain tumour or cancer, um, he's really bitter. <laughs> he's basically yeah. a bitter bay. Um, so... <laughs> It's, it's such a good backbone story. Um, I'm surprised it kind of wasn't thought of before. What, what do you think of the whole backbone story? John Kramer is so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I do think he's he's a very sad person. Yeah. Um, he also, this is something that becomes more apparent in the later films, but he really wants to be a father mm -hmm. and he didn't get to do that. And, you know, then he found out he, he had cancer and he couldn't have an operation for it. And so he really looks around and he wants to live so much. And so he gets angry when other people he feels like they're not appreciating their life. And I think even throughout his trajectory, you can see him sort of lose that thread too. Like he starts mm -hmm. with a really strong, like this is where I'm coming from. This is my stance. And then it does kind of get away from him. But it's like you said, that foundational story is so important to build on. And also this idea that keeps coming up throughout the films of, oh no, he's never really killed anyone. He's not a killer. Mm -hmm. They have to choose to kill themselves, which I don't agree with, but yeah. I, it's such <laughs> an interesting talking point that's not ever something you really see in horror movies there's a killer yeah. or there isn't there's not this person where people are like wait what does does what he do counts as killing so it it's such a unique backbone story yeah i mean it's definitely it's different to compare this but it's definitely a charles manson query you know he never yes actually killed someone he just forced other people to kill them whereas like john kramer never actually kills people in air quotes but he right. forces them to kill themselves basically um so like we mentioned uh it was a huge success and yes. the original uh the the franchise has grossed more than one billion dollars mm -hmm. which is just like holy crap it's every filmmaker's dream really isn't it um <laughs> and it was kind of the initial entry into the torture porn subgenre. so mm -hmm. what do you know about torture porn and what's your take on this well, I I actually am a big defender of torture porn. I like a lot of movies that technically fall under that. Um, I think that there's some debate about where the term came from or when it was mm -hmm. first used. My understanding is that the first film that was called tor Torture Porn was Hostile 2. Right. So that's some time after Saw, but then it got mm -hmm. retroactively applied to, to the Saw movies and lots of other movies. Mm -hmm. um, I think the first Saw movie really isn't torture porn, mm. even, you know, you really can barely put it in that box because there's hardly any violence at all, even though you yeah. are watching scenes of torture. Whereas in the second and beyond, mm. those violent scenes are ramped up and really become a focus. Like the set pieces are a big part of what you go to a Saw movie for. Mm -hmm. And so... I do consider it torture porn, but I don't think that's a negative thing necessarily. To me, it's yeah. just another subgenre that mm -hmm. can be done well or it could not be done well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I would agree. Uh, the first saw isn't typical torture porn. I mean, mm -hmm. what torture porn is basically is just gore and uh, torture for the sake of being gory and torture and trying to push audiences as much as possible um it kind of it, it came out of a culture of like the fear and paranoia left mainly after 9-11 in the states um yes. obviously I'm not American so I can't really comment on that culture but you are so I'm gonna yeah. get you to chat a bit about that and whether sure. you believe that that is what torture porn was actually born from I do think that's a big part of it. I think it's mm -hmm. hard not to. Almost everything since 9-11 has been influenced by 9-11 in some way, mm -hmm. but I really do think torture porn 
comes from that. And something that gets lost in the discussion sometimes is that saw was made by Australians. And Mm -hmm. the whole world was affected by 9-11, of course. But torture porn, I think now is a very American subgenre. Like, I think Mm -hmm. we have a hold on it. Um, But, you know, again, that's an argument for the first saw not being a part of it. You know, in the 90s, and um, Alex West does a great job talking about this in in her book, The 90s Teen Horror Cycle. Mm -hmm. In the 90s in America, things, it was kind of like things are good. We weren't at war with anyone. We felt like we had won the world. Um, You know, people had, we had solved racism. We had solved sexism. (laughs) Of course, I'm not being serious, but like that was the cultural feeling. And we had these really glossy, um, clean, polished slashers come out of it after Scream. Um, You know, there was this slasher boom and those movies tended to be really shiny teenagers Mm -hmm. and, you know, just glossy is the word that comes to mind. So after 9-11, America was scared of the other again. Whereas in the slashers, it was always that it's someone you know, it's a whodunit, the calls are coming from inside the house, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, torture porn starts to look at the threat is coming from the outside, which is what Americans were feeling after 9-11. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. to unpack there. Um, but I do think that is a part of where you start to get uh, cabin fever and obviously mm-hmm. hostile. The mm-hmm. themes that are going on in Hostel and Hostel 2 definitely come from yeah. that. So um, I, I I don't think we can separate 9-11 from torture porn. Yeah. Absolutely. And there was also this fact of like there was a boom of technology around, you know, the early 2000s. So whereas yes. before in the 80s, and the 90s slasher gore was very shocking because people hadn't really been given access to that kind of gore. Whereas in the early 2000s with the boom of the internet, people could actually access real life torture, like actual real life torture on YouTube or on the internet, you know, like was it Saddam Hussein's torture slash execution or someone, you know, that was televised basically. Um, and so it was also almost like the the torture porn had to reflect that, but also push it more. You know, audiences aren't going to be shocked by the same old slasher gore anymore. So we're going to push it a bit more. Um, do you think it was also a mirror on that, you know, sense of society that it was kind of showing back a reflection of how almost desensitized that we had become because of this technological boom? Yes, I think that's a really good point. Um... And actually, there's an interview that Carol Clover gives kind of about this, Mm -hmm. about how you keep having to push it because people become desensitized, like you said, and you could find anything you wanted to on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And so you had to give people a reason to come to the movies, which, you know, I'll watch anything fake. But as soon as it's real, I get really freaked out. So this is hard for me to relate to because I actually can't stand real life gore at all. But I do understand that that is, it's sort of this cultural desensitization that they had to respond to and show us something more shocking than what we had seen before. Um, And even in, you know, the movie Saw itself, they make a point of saying Jigsaw likes a front seat to his own crime. So it's Mm. a movie about, it is a, you know, 
it's this movie where we're watching people get tortured, but we're also watching someone watching someone else get tortured. Mm -hmm. And if we're judging Jigsaw for watching his own crimes, are we also implicated? Yeah. I think I got away from your question there because I got it. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. That's, yeah, I I hadn't actually picked up on that. So that's a really good point. Um, So let's chat about the very first Saw movie. Would you like to give a a brief synopsis about what it is about? Yes. Um, Two men wake up in the grossest bathroom of all time. <laughs> Truly. I don't know. Have you been in any college boys' bathrooms? Like uh, I've seen some gross you know, bathrooms. <laughs> that's a good point. They might they might have a rival out there somewhere. Pretty gross bathroom. Mm. Um Adam and Dr. Gordon, they awake in this bathroom. They don't remember how they got there and they're chained to pipes. There's a dead man in the middle of the room in a in a pool of blood, and neither one of them recognize him. So Adam and Dr. Gordon find these tapes, these cassette tapes that give them instructions and clues. And Dr. Gordon is told, kill Adam by 6 p.m. or we're going to kill your wife and daughter, Allie and Diana. And Adam's kind of like, uh, please don't kill me. Can we figure (laughs) something else out? And eventually working out the clues in the room, they find these two hacksaws and they come to the realization, well, you know, we can saw off our feet and we can escape but we can't saw through our chains. And so mm-hmm. meanwhile, while this is going on, there's also a procedural cop story about the officers who are trying to catch the jigsaw killer. And we're learning about the back background of the jigsaw killer. And these stories are converging as a discharged police officer is noticing that Adam and Gordon are missing and, and trying to help them. And it all kinds of comes to a head at once. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very simple, straightforward story, especially considering where the sequels go. But mm. that simplicity is really beautiful, I think. Yeah. I I, I feel like the cop procedural, it can, kind of comes off the back of Seven. Um, yes. And even Lee Wanell has said, it's not a horror, it's a thriller. And you're like, oh, honey, stop. <laughs> it's a horror. Right. <laughs> like, um but where do you think the line is between like Seven, which is kind of thought as more a psychological thriller, and Saw, which is considered all-out horror? Yeah. I Well, you know, I think that is a blurry line, and I mm. think people can argue on either side. But what I think is it has to do with who we're aligned with in the story. In Seven, we're aligned with the detectives and we're watching Mm -hmm. over their shoulder and we're experiencing the horror of the crimes through their eyes. And in Saw, we're absolutely not over the shoulder of the killer. Mm -hmm. We're experiencing the horror of the crimes along with the victims in Mm -hmm. the traps. And so we're feeling that horror as a victim instead of as a witness to it. And that's that's where I think the the difference can be. Still, though, I think The Silence of the Lambs is a horror movie, and so I don't really know how I defend mm-hmm. that because, again, we're aligned with Cleary Starling there. But yeah. usually I think that's what helps me figure out the line. Yeah, I like I would be bored. Even with Seven, I'd be borderline like that's horror because of the victims in Seven are so horrific. Like the, oh, yeah. the actual crimes are so horrific that I'd be like, yeah, that's horror. But like you said it weighs a bit more heavy onto the cop side rather than saw where it's like look at the victims and what they have to put themselves through Mm -hmm. um 
So one thing I picked up on that I, with my countless other watches of Saw, I hadn't quite, Kerry Elwes, he's such hammy actor he's yes. star he really gets into it doesn't he he sure does <laughs> <laughs> and he just he out acts everybody else in the film do you think did it sh- distract you as much as it distracted me um it kind of does now mm. in my initial watch i think i was too caught up in the story to worry about it but um it is distracting now. I remember hearing once that they had him for a very limited amount of days, maybe like six days of filming or something. Okay. So he really had to like put all the energy of the film into a very short amount of time. And there are some scenes where like he and Adam are talking and it seems mm-hmm. like they're having two different conversations <laughs> Well, because they were filmed separately sometimes. Okay. So he really is kind of acting in a different movie than everybody else. And, and you can feel that when you see it, you don't really unsee it. He really is. Like whenever I see him, I just can't help but think of like Robin Hood men in tights. Yes. And it's just <laughs> like, that's all I can think about when I see him. Um, so yeah, bless him. He really does overact. Oh, yes. um, so, the jump scares in Saw is another aspect mm. that makes it more horror. Um, yes. They scare the crap out of me. The pig, yes. the pig mask just scares the crap out of me. Me too. Especially <laughs> because you're like, why, why, what is this? Why is this here? Yeah. You know? It, yeah. It, it's very uncanny, especially because yes. does the pig ever get like explained? Kind of. Um, okay. In the... F- fifth or the seventh movie there's like a real quick explanation of it right Um, but you know i think maybe when when um juan and Wanell made saw it kind of feels like they they were putting in every idea they could think of because Mm -hmm. they were worried they weren't going to make another movie or something yeah we've got billy the puppet we've got a pig mask we've got cassette tapes with a scary voice on them but it all somehow does work together. Um, but that scene, I you mentioned the jump scares, and I immediately thought of that scene where Adam's in his apartment mm. and the lights are out, and he's trying to see light by taking pictures, and then yeah. he gets jumped. That scene always gets me. Yeah, same every time. Um, and just the use of Billy the puppet. I think you know James Wan obviously has a thing about puppets and dolls, yes. um, mm-hmm. especially because in Dead Silence that puppet was also called Billy. Um, yeah. So obviously he's either got a phobia or a fetish. I'm not quite sure which one. <laughs> um, but yeah, that always scares me because the use of puppets and dolls just freaks me out. Would you recommend the first Saw to horror fans? I absolutely would. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't want to watch the rest of them. I promise you it's not torture porn. Mm. There are a couple of gory parts. But if you enjoyed Seven, please give Saw a try. I yeah. yes. It it it's one of a kind. Even even if you end up watching it and say, you know what, that wasn't for me, hopefully you'll at least say that was one of a kind. Yeah. And I think I'd hope that it's not one of those films that the twist ending has been spoiled for everyone. Cause you know, like with the sixth sense, the ending yes. was spoiled before I'd even seen it. So like, I Ugh. knew exactly what's happened where I'd hope that perhaps Saul hasn't been. Cause the first time I saw that ending, my mind oh. was blown. I, when I think about it, mm. my heart floats away into the sky. Yeah. It's the greatest ending of all time. 
It really is. <laughs> and like, usually I'm really good at guessing. Like I'm really good at guessing and it just did not cross my mind at all. And it was just, yep. it was perfection. It was so good. So many twists, turns and red herrings. And it's just, yes. that's what you want out of like horror is this kind of thrill ride, a roller coaster. Yes. And it's such expert storytelling from mm. two, you know, at the time, amateur filmmakers. And it totally speaks volumes to why they've both gone on to be so successful. Exactly. Um, yeah. And obviously, it then spawned a sequel the year after 2005. Yep. So it was very quick um, that it got spawned. So let's move on to Saw 2. Okay. So. Saw 2 has possibly the greatest movie poster of all time. Uh, <laughs> oh, with the fingers? The, the two fingers sticking yes. up. I think, wasn't it like it was meant to be a whole hand or something with like the two fingers and then that got censored so they had to just do the two fingers. Oh, um, is that? I didn't know that. Apparently, yes. That's um, wild. Yeah. So it um, is directed this time by Darren Lynn Bozeman and written mm-hmm. by Lee Wanell and Bozeman. So I think Juan had just taken like an executive producer role at this yes. point, um, which is fine. He made all that money <laughs> from the mm-hmm. first one. He was like, I'm good, I'm good, you guys take over. Um, <laughs> so this time it stars Donnie Wahlberg as um, Detective Eric Matthews mm-hmm. and he is called into a crime scene um because a message has been left for him by jigsaw saying you know officer matthews look closer and he's got this kind of uh, strange relationship with his son and when him and the police SWAT team um go to find jigsaw and arrest him in his warehouse it turns out that jigsaw has kidnapped Eric Matthews' son and has put him and a whole host of other characters inside a house um, to basically play his games and to try and get out of traps and survive all the while they are being pumped with poisonous gas that if they don't get out at a certain time they will all die from this poisonous gas and again plenty of twists and turns and reveals. Um, What did you think of this as a sequel? Uh, I absolutely loved it, especially when it first came out, Um, because you go into it thinking, how are they going to match the original? How are they going to top it? That feeling you got at the end of it, of it had been so unique and exciting, uh, and they definitely do it. And Saw 2 really sets up the formula for the rest of the sequels, Mm -hmm. where you've got your group of people in traps and you're cutting back and forth between them and whatever the police are doing, like it got much more structured and it was mm-hmm. able to take that and follow it for these yearly sequels that were coming out. Um, yeah, it really works as a sequel. Yeah. Um, one thing I love about it is too many times when we see films or directors or filmmakers that are known for twists, their twists mm-hmm. get a bit ridiculous. Like looking at you, yes. M. Night, like right. <laughs> <laughs> it gets yes. a little bit ridiculous. Whereas this one, the twist, again, I did not see coming. Me and either. The whole setup is fantastic. The house is fantastic. And the traps are so imaginative. I'm like, who came up with this? Because you are sick. Yeah. And let's, let's talk about the needle pit. 
the needle pit. The we have needle. to talk about it. That one still makes my skin crawl. Me too. Um, you know, all the traps are horrible and they yeah. would all be painful, but there's something about needles. I think it's because I know what needles feel like, you yeah. know, I don't know what a reverse bear trap feels like, so I'm not <laughs> as viscerally scared of it, but I know yeah. that I don't like being pricked with one needle. Yeah. So I don't want to fall into a pit and experience that times a thousand. I think that's why mm. it gets me. Yeah. And I just think, obviously we have Amanda coming back, um, mm -hmm. who is Jigsaw's only known survivor. And she is put back in this house with the victims. And she is the one that is pushed, like it's not even her trap, but she right. is pushed into this pit and she has to find this key before the door is shut forever. And, um, who is it? Shawnee Smith. Is that her name that plays yes. Amanda? Yes. Her acting is amazing. Like yes. you can actually feel her trauma and her pain. And like, she, I, I just think she is the most amazing actress. She is. Yes. Um, I think the Saw franchise was really had like a hidden gem with mm. Shawnee Smith. Yeah. And just, wasn't it, there wasn't meant to be any real needles in this pit, but there actually was, there was like a mistake and someone had put real needles in it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't so, think I knew that. Or if I did, I blocked it out. That's I horrible. Wanna, yeah. I want to say that that was the, the case. Um, oh my goodness. That it, it's like just mm -hmm. the thought of that. Um, yes. Okay. So... Okay, it doesn't say, I'm looking at the Wikipedia now, it doesn't say okay. it now. Um, for certain shots, they used a fake arm, though, where they yes. had all the, the needles to stick out. So perhaps knowing that now, it won't creep me out as much. <laughs> yes. I knew that there was a fake arm right. with real needles in it. Okay. Um, if she got pricked with any real needles, I did not know that. They're also yeah. so gross looking. Oh. I think that's what adds to it, too, is... yeah we're taught to be very careful with needles and, and used hypodermic needles that are used mm. for medical reasons. You know, those go safely in the orange biohazard bin and yeah. we, we don't touch them. And then they're all in the movie, they're all yellow and yeah. dirty and in a pile. And it's just, yeah. it, it's this, no alarms are going off in your head. Yeah. It, it's just horrific. Um, yeah. It's probably the thing that sticks out to me the most about Saw 2 is just that needle pit. Mm -hmm. I just, no, stuff and nightmares. Um, so the the twists and turns in this, um, do you think it was kind of like sufficient enough for the film? Do you think it lived up to the first one? I absolutely do. Mm. Because without spoiling it, there are actually three big mm. twists in this one. Yes. And, well, maybe like two and a half because two of them are sort of related. But um, I think even if you guess one of them, which I don't know anyone who has, mm. you're probably not going to guess all of them. Yeah. And I, I, it works for me. I'll say that. Um, I, I yeah. do think the excitement lives up to the original. Yeah, it was definitely, it was very satisfying as a sequel. I remember seeing yes. it for the first time because uh, I'd seen yes. Saw with my then boyfriend. I think I must have been about 
15 at the time and we'd seen it and it just blew my mind and then I couldn't wait for the next one to came out and when it came out I was just as satisfied like mm-hmm. it was just you know sometimes with sequels you're like oh man that was really disappointing like yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. whereas this one I was like this is fucking amazing yeah. um and just all the acting is so brilliant in it Donnie Wahlberg like he gets a lot of rap but yeah. I think he's really I mean I know he plays the typical cop in it but that end scene is just fantastic it is it, I just got a chill when you said that. Like that that's yeah. how good it is. Yeah. And it just it's such a good end scene because it just ties it all nicely together with the original one as well. Yep. yep. It's just if you just wanted to watch the first two, you could almost end it there. You could. You could just leave it at that. Mm. Um so then after two, obviously we lead into several more. So let's chat a yes. little bit about all the sequels. Absolutely. Um, so what do you think about all the sequels? Because they do get a lot of shtick for kind of being a bit too much, becoming a bit too convoluted, too unrealistic. But what yeah. do you think about them? I love that about them and I just lean into it. I get it if it's not your thing. Mm-hmm. But like, yes, I am here for the convoluted, twisty, turny, ridiculous, implausible. <laughs> I want it. And something that I really do respect about the sequels is that um, I have spent a lot of time going over the timeline of events. Yes. And it all works. Okay. Like maybe some of it's implausible, but none of it's impossible. And Mm -hmm. I just think the care that must have gone into that is uh, like the commit, the commitment to the bit is really great, especially because they didn't start with this idea of this is how we're going to tell the story. Like every Mm -hmm. time they add something on, they have to go back and go, does this work? You know, is Jigsaw's goatee right for this time? Does Shawnee Smith's hair lengths match where it should be? And it always does. And I love that about them. I can just imagine you with like, you know, the red string. Yeah. And like big like message board and like pretty put it much all together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like a little 80s montage of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just accurate. That's just a Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I feel like every time I start Saw, I have to keep going because I'm like, yep. what was this again? What was this again? And it's like, crap, now I've got to watch them all. <laughs> yep. And I will say, for anyone who hasn't watched the sequels, they are best watched in order, mm-hmm. in the order that they were released. And they are best watched close together. Yeah. Like, you don't have to do it all in a weekend. But don't leave too much time in between mm. them because it really is kind of one big story. Yeah. I mean, they did get more and more elaborate with the traps and with the gore. Yes. Um, but, and I know a lot of people are like, they give out about it. But I quite like that. I like seeing someone's imagination go a bit wild. Um, yeah. You know, they brought in the uh, the pit and the pendulum style kind yes. of Uh I quite liked that. That's the one that kind of stands out in my head. Um, another one I really enjoyed was, spoiler alert, one of the police officers, she gets caught um, mm. and they do like a, a rib cage thing and it flies open. and Yes, kind of, the angel and, trap. Yes, and it's just... I really enjoyed that one. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because I like putting myself in those situations. I'm like, would I bother or would I just be like, ah, here, you know what, go ahead, kill me. I can't be honest. I would just like, die. 
I would I would die in the first movie. Like I I don't watch these movies because I think I would survive them. I would yeah. be dead. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I could I could have done Shawnee Smith's one, um, Amanda's one with the bear trap. You know, she has to cut the guy open to get. Yeah. The, I could have done that one. That one would have been fine. But it's the one like when the guy wakes up with the key behind his eye and he has to like yeah get out his own eye like no i'd be like absolutely no. not sorry uh, yeah <laughs> yeah there's one in the in a future sequel where they have to extract a pound of flesh oh that's right yeah and someone cuts off their arm i feel like i could do that now hey if anybody out there's listening don't put me in a trap please i don't want to yeah like we're not inviting you to do <laughs> no this, like. <laughs> no i'm just saying like I, out of all the traps that exist i feel like maybe just chopping off your arm is like the most straightforward yeah definitely i mean if i had to add a push if i had to yeah absolutely um but yeah i really enjoy these um the trap and i think that's why Saw has been so even though they keep pumping out the sequels I think that is why people enjoy them so much because they're like what are they gonna do this time <laughs> right because you can't if if you reuse a trap there has to be a reason for it like the reverse yeah. bear trap comes back a lot of times but it always yeah. feels like there's a plot reason for that yeah but you can't you know be you can't lose your creativity and stop inventing traps you got to invent the traps Exactly. Um, so let's chat about the most recent, we won't call it a sequel because it wasn't really a right. sequel. It was a branch off. Um, the book of, the book of Saw? Spiral. The book Spiral of Saw. from the book of Saw. That's it. Um, what did you think of it? Oh, <laughs> sigh. <laughs> I wanted to like it. Mm. I wanted to like it so much. I, I didn't think it was impossible for me to not have fun with a Saw movie. I mm -hmm. I had really low expectations going in because I was like, whatever this is, I'm going to enjoy it. So I don't need, it's a Saw yeah. movie. I don't need it to be anything. And it had, I saw it in the theater and it like was the first movie I had seen in the theater, like since COVID hit, it had been 476 mm -hmm. days since I had seen wow. a movie in the theater. So I was just excited to be there. Yeah. And it's the only Saw movie where I guessed the twist. Same. And yeah. that really hurts it for me. Yeah. From the get go, I was like, it's this. And yep. my partner was like, no, it's going to have like a massive twist because it's sore. And I was like, nope, it's that. Absolutely. And, you know, I was surprised by that, too, because Darren Lynn Bousman directed it. And he directed, mm -hmm. I think, two, three and four. Yeah. And maybe seven. He directed okay. a lot of them. And so yeah. I was like, OK, he knows how to do the saw thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew it would feel different. And I was okay with that. Like the sequel that came out in 2017, the eighth one called Jigsaw, that one doesn't feel like the previous seven of them, but it still feels like a Saw movie. You've got John yeah. Kramer, you've got Billy the Puppet, you've got Twists. Spiral was like, they just kind of shoved John Kramer in there and, and called it a mm. day. Like I didn't really feel it. It didn't make my heart float away into the sky the way Saw movies usually do. I need to rewatch it and give it another chance. Yeah. I mean, the the whole backstory of it is that apparently Chris Rock is a massive fan 
of the Saw franchise and was like, I want to be in a Saw film. And so went to someone and was like, write me a Saw film. And that's what it feels like. It feels like a fan film. Not that fan films should be put down because there's amazing fan films out there. Right. But it just, it just didn't click. It didn't, it just didn't feel like a Saw film. And even though it's like from the book of Saw, it it still should have some connection to yes. the Saw. Even though it is a branch out, it should still be connected to the same tree, if we're going to mm-hmm. use that tree analogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I was really disappointed with it. It just felt like a really normal cop thriller. Yes, and that's yep, with not, some that's, extra violent deaths. Yeah, and that is not not what I want. No, and I couldn't really take Chris Rock all that seriously, if I'm honest. No, I don't know. I do wonder if he is a big Saw fan because that's what I heard too. Mm. And I'm certainly not going to be a gatekeeping jerk and be like, "You're not a real fan," if blah blah blah. Yeah, but I do wonder, like, how much a fan he was because. Um, it just doesn't feel like I don't feel that from him. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I shouldn't speculate. One of the things about the whole Saw franchise is that it has a lot of ups and downs. There are movies mm-hmm. that are much better than others. And so my hope is that Spiral is just another valley and that the next one is going to be great. <laughs> And I'm going to love it again. And it's just going to be one of the many ups and downs and saw. um, That's what I'm hoping for. Yes, um, very much so. Um, So what do you think is like the legacy of Saw? What do you think is its influence on horror today? Yeah, that is a great question. It, It pains me to say I don't really feel it in horror today. Okay. Um, I would love for you to tell me that that's wrong. <laughs> but like for the last 10-ish, 8 to 10 years, we've been doing a lot more um, trauma-focused mm-hmm. and uh, like smaller horror, familial horror. Um, and I love a lot of that. Like I love mm-hmm. Ari Aster. And uh, Robert Eggers, but I, I just don't feel saw in those at all. Mm. I mean, you know, James Wan still has tons of influence with the Conjuring franchise, but yeah. that doesn't feel like saw. I don't know. Yes. What do you think? Um, as a film and as a franchise, I, I agree with you. It doesn't seem to have a legacy in the same way that other franchises or other big films would have, especially because James Wan has removed himself so far from that genre. He's never gone back to it, Um, which is fair enough. Maybe it wasn't his big thing in the first place. Um, The way I think it's influenced horror is just like the Blair Witch. It has kind of brought into focus indie filmmakers. That's a great point there are still amazing stories coming from film students and from people that aren't big names yet um, and shown that it is possible to do so, um, whether it starts off as a short film or, you know, using a camcorder in the backwoods. <laughs> it, it just shows that you can do it no matter who you are. And I kind of like that. I think that's something that's always endeared me to Lee Wanell and James Wan. 
That's really beautiful. I didn't think of that, but that's true. And I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so where you've already kind of touched on it, but where do you think Saw is going to go from here? Do you think it's going to go anywhere or do you think it's like, we're done now? Is I don't think be it done? can be done. <laughs> I, I remember hearing that there was going to be a TV show. Oh, Yeah. And I haven't looked into that in a while. I'm not I'm not sure if that's mm. still happening or what's going to happen with that. And I remember hearing they greenlit a sequel for Spiral. Yeah. So I definitely don't think it's done. I. It sounds like a lot of people feel about Spiral the way that you and I did. And so yeah. I do wonder if it's going to lead to some resurgence of... A, a fan film that feels a little bit more like a Saw film. Yeah. I would love to see that. Okay. But I'm not sure because I'm not sure how big the market is for that either. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of horror movie, especially with, uh, sorry, horror TV shows, especially in mm-hmm. the past year or so, really hit big, especially with like Mike Flanagan. Yeah. Um, stuff like Yellow Jackets. Chucky mm-hmm. is just... And I think, I don't know, like apparently they were talking about a TV show to adapt Spiral. Um, oh. But I don't know. Would I could kind of see Spiral being a TV show because it is cop procedural, like very cop procedural. And, you know, they seem to do quite well on TV. But could the 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 kind of foundation of what Saw is about, could that translate well to TV? And I'm not sure about that. Um, yeah. But I would, would have said the same about Chucky until that kind of blew my mind this year or last year. So. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I need to. Um, no, I tend to agree with you because mm. there are so many procedural cop dramas, TV mm. shows that you have to contend with. And... The beauty of a Saw movie is that for 90-ish minutes, you're building up to this surprise climax. Yeah. And in a TV show, I don't think you could sustain that week to week. You mm. would either lose momentum or it would feel way too hectic. Yeah. Um, I'd love to be wrong because I want more <laughs> Saw, all Saw, every day, all time. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just, I do think a movie is the perfect format for that. Yeah, so you want it to just carry on, like let's. I mean, keep going. yeah, sure. <laughs> I will watch. Uh, give me more, more John Kramer's voice on a cassette. <laughs> people waking up in traps. Like, let's have prequels. Let's have more sequels. I'll take more side stories. You know, yeah. what I had hoped Spiral would be, and I knew it wasn't going to be, but I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if like one of the kids of Jigsaw, Jigsaw's victims like came and got their revenge. Like, yeah. give me that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for chatting about Saw with oh, me. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, literally. <laughs> <laughs> and before we go, what is your favorite horror film? Well, I'm so excited to tell you because we've mentioned it a couple of times, but The Blair Witch Project. Oh, okay. I I really enjoy the Blair Witch Project. It really freaked me out the first time I ever saw it. I can remember exactly when I where I where and when I saw it, and it really mm-hmm. freaked me out. Um, what is it about Blair Witch that you love so much? Um, it's another. It, it's actually really similar to my love of Saw. It's such a straightforward, simple premise that is just really scary. Mm. Um, I was 
young when it came out and I saw it in the theater and I didn't really know what I was watching. And so that found footage, Mm. ARG marketing, like really hit me. And I was like, is this real? Is this not real? I'm really scared of this. Can another movie ever make me feel so scared? Um, And to this day, it still scares me. So I think that it has staying power. Absolutely. It's just that last scene just gets me. I know me too. Yeah really freaks me out I, lo- I love the way it's got like little easter eggs in it as well especially at the beginning where they're interviewing like the townsfolk mm-hmm. and it's like you really have to listen to that to get the ending but yes. perfect I, lo- I love the Blair Witch um I think it's me fantastic I, lo- I love the marketing campaign I loved just everything like I honestly believed it was real when it first came out and I love that yeah it was hard I mean There was no reason not to think it was real because the internet wasn't what it is now where you have to question everything you see. So, yeah, yeah, it was just perfect. It it came out at the perfect time for that movie. Exactly. Um, So thank you so much for coming on and chatting. Thank you. It was wonderful. That was my chat there with Ariel about the Saw franchise. Um, So... What do you think of Saw? Are you a fan? Do you think it's one that should have died at like the third one? Um, what did you think of the new one of uh, the Book of Saw Spiral? Let us know in our uh, social media. So that is Instagram and Facebook at What a Screen Podcast, and you can also find me on Twitter at What underscore Screen, um, where you can also keep up with my writings for as well as Ariel, Glues Magazine, and Moving Pictures Film Club. So next week on the podcast, my special guest is May Murray, and together we are going to be chatting about toxic masculinity in horror films. It's kind of, it's a massive subject because there's a lot of horror films from the very get-go about this subject, and it's kind of funny that this is a topic that I'm covering now because in my very first episode where I chatted with a forensic psychologist Emma Tyrrell about um, female serial killers, go back and listen to it. I think I say the word toxic masculinity a gabillion times and yeah, it's hilarious. Um, You could almost do a drinking game to do with it. Uh, But yes, so next week is all about toxic masculinity. So tune in for that. Um, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And as always, stay horrific. Goodbye.